Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Uh, I'm Ben James. Today I'm joined by Andy Howell and Simon Thomas. Hello. How are we doing? Pretty good, thank you. Good, good. We've got plenty to discuss. So uh, let's let's get straight into it. Um, first bit of development from the last time we met is Sean Edwards. Another twist, another turn in the saga and... Um, well, he's not staying on with Wales. That's the long and short of it, isn't it? Um, he's off to France. Yeah, off to France. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, am I surprised? Yeah, a little bit. I thought he would probably uh, uh, stay with uh, Wales. But uh, once Raphael Ibanez, who worked with him at uh, at Wasps, who was the former French captain, once he got involved, I thought that maybe there is something uh, uh, more in it. And, uh, you know, France... Uh, uh, apparently have uh, offered him the security that Wales couldn't. Wales offered him a four-year contract, but with a, t- a break clause after two years, which is what they'd offered Wayne Pivis and the rest of the coaches. But fans have offered him apparently a, four, a straight four-year contract without a uh, break clause. So he's decided to go over there. It's a good move for the French, isn't it? They're going to have Gal- Fabian Galtier is going to be their new coach. Um, and they're hosting the 2023 20, World Cup. Plus, they've also got a really good crop of young players coming through. World Under-20 champions. And some of those, you know, those boys are going to get better and better. So it could actually be a good time for Sean Edwards to be going to France because France can't get any worse than they are. Simon, I think <laughs> it's interesting because the French amateur clubs, of course, blocked yes. the um, move to have an overseas head coach because you would, uh, we, we hear Schmidt perhaps was their first target. Gatland also mentioned Eddie Jones possibly. And yet they're allowed to have assistance. They do have a heritage of it. I think Dave Ellis was the English defence coach. You know, so it's an interesting one. I mean, culturally, I mean, I don't know how good Sean's French is or how much time he's got to to brush up on that. I mean, that's going to be a big thing. Sean's got his own language. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's true. I, I'm I'm torn on this one because I think he's been absolutely fantastic for Wales. I actually enjoyed working with him, listening to him in press conferences, enjoyed seeing him in training, and enjoyed seeing what the players produce for him on the pitch. And there's no doubt he's one of the very best in the world, if not the best defence coach in the world. And when we were hearing that there was a possibility he might actually stay with the Wales, I thought that's great, great for Welsh rugby. But now that we know he's not going, I suppose you can look at it in the other point of view. Perhaps, perhaps with hindsight, some hindsight, it is best, best to have a complete new set of coaches in charge, a complete break from it. I think it would be interesting to know heart of heart what Wayne Pavak feels about it. You know, would you preferred? Um, you speak to him, Andy. What do you think his gut feeling will be about this? Uh, well, what's going to be interesting, what will give the game away, is do we know Wales appoint a second defence coach? Because uh, you know Wayne has uh, claimed that um, that he was going to appoint two defence coaches anyway. One of them we know is going to be Byron Haywood. So Byron is going to work in tandem with uh, with Sh- with Sean. But the proof of the pudding will be will Wales now. Have Point a second defence coach, or will it be one defence coach by Ben Haywood? I think that will tell this uh, story. I agree with you. I think it's actually a good thing. It's a, uh, a clean break uh, with uh, with Sean, if you like, uh, um, because say that you know Sean is a pretty complex personality. Say it unravelled in the Wales management. We've had instances of this in the uh, in the past in the Mike Ruddock era. Um, so yeah, I think it's good for Pivak that uh, Sean was no longer around. 
and uh, you know perhaps uh, perhaps pivot would feel the same the other thing I'd say is you can see the situation Wales play the first couple of games next year Six Nations leak a few tries all of a sudden why on earth didn't the union keep on shouting? I've already seen people on social media say, yeah. why didn't we just give Sean Edwards four years what he wanted? So it is a difficult one. Yeah, but you can't give Sean Edwards a longer contract But I'm just saying to that is still what people say. Yeah, I know. You know, and those people uh, will be quick Wales if Wales go wrong defensively in the first games to turn on Wales. Wales go in the All Blacks as well, I think, in a summer, yeah. retest. Mind you, Wales, I think Wales can see nearly four tries per game on average against the All Blacks with Sean Edwards as defence coach. I suppose. So... I suppose the way that Wales fell into this sort of whole Sean Edwards, Willie, won't he saga is because they tried to pander to the public and... Exactly, the power of social media. Exactly, yeah. You know, it was that whole sort of the day of the Grand Slam, Sean said that the Wigan job wasn't concrete and then I think, was it by Monday or Tuesday, Martin Phillips had come mm. out saying... Yeah, yeah it was a, it's an awkward one because, I mean, obviously, clearly Pivak was under the impression that's it, he's going to Wigan. Yeah. So the circumstances did change then, and I think there was a real effort, clearly a big effort from the unions to keep them aboard. And, you know, I think clearly, clearly there is probably a big offer in France, isn't there? <laughs> you know, let's be honest about this. This is going to be a lucrative deal for him, isn't it? Yeah, what was it? What was interesting is when Simon and I went along to a, 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 Martin, a, Phillips. a Martin Phillips press mm. briefing, that uh, Martin said, uh, he surprised us, didn't he, by saying, yeah, about Sean Edwards, we'll talk to him. And then, but when you look closely at those quotes, he actually said, oh, I spoke to him at the uh, Senate. For the uh, when they had the reception, uh, the reception. Yeah. he said, oh, so bit he'd already spoken to him. So, you know, I surprised that did Wayne Pivot know that Martin Phillips was talking to Sean Edwards? I don't know, I just think it's the power of, uh, of you know, social media, probably, and a clamor from the public on the back of that grandstand for Edwards to stay. If Wales had finished first in the table, I don't think anybody would care. They've been calling for Edwards' head, Gatman's head, Howley's head, everybody else's head. Mm, it'd be fascinating to see how Edwards goes in France. Because I think a big part of everything that he's done has been commitment and you know yeah. aggression and physicality, but it's also fitness, isn't it? I mean, you to, to to do the Sean Edwards style of defence for eighty minutes, you've got to be very very fit. Question marks sometimes over the fitness levels of French players in the French league. Uh, I think a few of those French players could be in for a rude awakening when he takes over. Certainly. Yeah, what yeah. would be interesting is if those French players get themselves fit enough for, for Sean Edwards. Uh, yeah. it, you know, if they don't, it could unravel. Well, I mean, if we saw so defensively what they were like, especially against England in this season, they basically didn't have a back three, did they? You know, so it'd be interesting to see what system he puts in place as well. You know, because he's traditionally had this this uh, blitz system, whatever you want to call it, rush defence system, um, and you wouldn't imagine he would do that with them. They tend to, different clubs in France defend in different ways, and don't they? So, I, I well, the French, the French don't know, they just generally do what they want. <laughs> <laughs> well, that ain't going to go down well with Sean, is yeah, it? Yeah, and, and if you don't if you don't work, you sure get shoulders. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, good, well, good luck to him. Bon chance. Yes, yes. Indeed, indeed. Um, from one sort of saga in Welsh rugby to another, and that's European qualification. And he's uh, pointing at me at this point. Yeah, I think he's decided that this is my baby. I think you're the only the only man in Wales who sort of knows what's going on. Yeah, it's. I mean, just put it in simple terms. Um, the, the complication has been because we don't know how many places the Pro 14 is going to get in the Champions Cup. You're guaranteed seven places, but there is a convoluted, complicated system where you can get eight. To explain that simply, it would require Leinster to win the Heineken Cup, Champions Cup next week when they play Saracens in the final at St James' Park in Newcastle. And the way it's fallen, it would also require uh, the four semi-finalists in the Challenge Cup, that's La Rochelle, Clermont Auvergne, Sale, um, uh, and also Harlequins to qualify through their league positions. Now, all of those things can still happen. 
Um, Leinster can obviously win next weekend. As it stands, Clermont are home and hosed in France. They're second. La Rochelle looking very strong in sixth. Um, they look like they're going to qualify by rights. Harlequins look strong. The one that's the doubt is Sale. There was a the last few minutes of the games over this weekend really went against what Wales would have hoped for, the Welsh Rugby would have hoped for, in terms of, again, two teams on board, because that's what we're talking about. If the Pro 14 uh, did get an eighth spot, that eighth spot would guaranteed to be a Welsh team because of the way the leagues have finished. Um, on the weekend, uh, Sale played um, against Bristol. Faf de Klerk had a penalty from about 35 yards to win the game. We should have given you know the Sale a very strong position for top six finish, hit the post, then um, further on in the weekend, we had Bath playing against Wasps. Uh, at one point, the five minutes to go, it was the perfect scoreline for Welsh Hopes. It was a draw. In the end, Bath not only won the game, but got a, a winning bonus point in the very last play of the game as well. So Bath now will look in the, the driving seat. They go away to Leicester on the final weekend. If they win that one with a bonus point, we know that they're sixth. So it is complicated. But what's become even more complicated is because of the different scenarios, it means that the Euro playoff between two Welsh sides, we still don't know what's going to happen. A, we don't know when it's going to be played. B, we don't know where it's going to be played. And we don't know who's going to be playing in it. We've got two dates and three potential teams. Over to you, Anne. What do you think about that? Well, I, first of all, I'd like to applaud you. <laughs> for, 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 for saying all that without the benefit of any notes whatsoever. So you must say how well-researched you are, and I congratulate you. you on that. Uh, what I can understand with this at a farce, <laughs> Uh, from the Pro 14, yet another fast one then, need to look at themselves, is why didn't they set these two dates, two dates for two, for two scenarios at the start of the season? So everyone knew before the season started. So you had the playoff, the earlier playoff, if you like, we knew the date, we would know the date of that, and the late playoff, we would also know the date for that. Why is it being left yeah. and, and, and until until now? There is. There would have been an easier way if it had been. The trouble is that when you look at the the regulations and the descriptions, it's not really clear. And when things yeah. aren't clear, it means you, you you're left with wriggle room on both parts. Yeah. What would have been the simplest thing is we knew all along that there was going to be a playoff between the two sides who finished fourth in the conferences. As yeah. that's happened, it's the Ospreys against the Scarlets. That's that's that. The complication is that the Blues are in the same conference as the Ospreys and they've actually got more points than the Scarlets. So there's this yeah. whole argument that if they were to get eight places, obviously the Ospreys get the automatic seventh spot. But what happens then? Now what they've decided is because the Blues have got more points than the Scarlets, that if we do get eight places, you'd have to have the Blues against the Scarlets. And what enrages the Scarlets even, fans even more is that the Blues will get home advantage. Now it would have been a lot simpler. The way to resolve this at the start would be to say clearly what will happen. Um, we'll have a playoff between the two fourth place sides. If we only have seven spots, the winner goes through. Yeah. If we have eight spots, the loser goes as well. And that would have then you could have had the, the match on the 18th and wouldn't have had any of this scenario. I suppose the, the complication with that is that I know that they didn't do well this year, but the South African teams, isn't it? So it isn't technically the two fourth place teams, is it? It's the two highest placed non South African teams. Mm. So you could have a situation where yeah. it's fourth versus fifth because yeah, the Cheetahs yeah, finished fourth, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Well, you could also have a situation where the playoffs for the title, you could have uh, the third place team in Conference A having less points than a team that doesn't qualify. Exactly, what, what, yeah. if, I mean, what I'm saying is that that doesn't have to be modelled on points. Yeah. So it seems like one rule one from another. If you're saying that the playoffs for the title is top three, top three, and that's it, regardless of points in the divisions, why are we now turning around and saying that this playoff is determined by points in the divisions? It seems to be... Yeah. A it's bit ridiculous. 
It seems to be one rule for one, one rule for another. Well, exactly. Surely you have the same rule. The, 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 the league were aware of this sort of situation well, cropping up last year because it was Osprey's Ulster last year, and I remember making several phone calls to European Rugby and the Pro 14 to sort of figure out what happens when these sort of connotation all these sort of different things form a place and thankfully for them it never quite yeah. happened what, what I think they should do they should make it simpler this would be my suggestion what, what, what you have at the moment is um, everything is based upon what's happening in the current season which means it always drags on towards the end I think it'd be simpler we've got the complication because we've got 19 automatic qualifiers 7 from the Pro 14 then 6 apiece from England and France I think what should happen is every season the team that wins the Champions Cup, the next season, that league gets an extra spot. So there's no waiting for things that happen. So, for example, this season, if Leinster were to win it, you say next year, Pro 14 get eight spots. Because yeah. it's all then it's all yeah. determined. Yeah. You're not waiting yeah. on anything. Them, yeah. Yes, it, it's basing things on a 12-month ago, but at least it's clarified. And then you, everybody... Would be support, every, yeah. and every Pro 14 fan would have something to cheer, in, or every Premiership fan would have something to cheer, or every Top 14 fan in the final, and it's simple for next season. That's what I would do. Absolutely right. Make that man Pro 14 chief executive. <laughs> I will say Martin and I is actually doing quite a jo- good job. They get a lot oh, yeah. of grief. Yeah. They get a heck of a lot of grief. Perhaps that's a PRD. And yeah. I think you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just something that's. It's become an anomaly that's been lurking around in the background, and this year it's really come back to bite. Of course, there is something else lurking in the background as well. What's that, Andrew? Is if the Ospreys are in the playoff, the Liberty Stadium is not available. Well, I presume that it goes to the brewery field. What? Well, I play the Scarlets at the brewery field. Well, where would you play it? In Cardiff. He's going to say Principality Stadium, aren't you? Principality Stadium. (laughs) You've got to make money out of it. This is a massive potential money, you're a spinner. Is the Principality Stadium available on that weekend? Uh, Isn't there Monster which weekend? Jam? Uh, Monster Jam's on. So not the Cardiff City Stadium. Cardiff Blue Stadium? Cardiff City Stadium. 36,000 capacity. Surely you'd be going up to 30,000 and that if it's uh, priced right and marketed right. The, what it is the old Welsh Cup final. This is the shootout between the two best teams in Wales. The uh, Ospreys and the Scarlets. I actually think well, that should take place on a Saturday afternoon. I actually think well, people you see, I think get that, the card if not make a huge day of it. I think Leinster will actually win the Champions Cup final. You see, so I, I think this. Well, no, I just, I just, I don't, it doesn't matter with that. But I think it will drag <laughs> on for a bit because of that. Well, I think what will happen is they'll win it, and then Sale will miss out on the English spot, and you'll end up with Ospreys against Scarlets at the Brewery Field on the 29th. Yeah, of course, yeah. it's a knock-on effect for the Wales squad. Be paying for the World Cup. That's the thing. You know, the, some of those boys, like the Dragons boys. We haven't got another game. We're in a Wales squad. They meet on May the 27th, start World Cup preparations. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, because everyone's having a month off. So, say the Welsh teams play that weekend, would it be? Is it that weekend, the, the, the final playoff date? Uh, well, the two dates for the playoffs are either May the 18th of Saturday right. or Wednesday the 29th of May. Right, 29th of May. That means they're not going to be available at the Wales till June the 29th. Correct, yeah. Right, which is daft. You you, know, you and of course, they won't have had a match for weeks. But they've got to have their break, haven't they? Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, I understand that. And then if you've got Scarlets against Ospreys, how many members of the squad have you got there? You're talking lot, double yeah. figures, aren't you? Yeah. And, when, and also the worries of injuries as well. Of course. When would the Blues know? Yeah. The Blues won't, the, the Blues potentially won't know until the 25th. Yeah, you know the Blues... Exactly, so they, 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 they can't go on their holidays. Just the, the simply, yeah. the, the, so the Blues really would be paying for a game they might not have. Well, it's a difficult one. I think they, they probably had the week off. I think everyone had this last yeah. week off. Yeah, they did, yeah. I mean, what you could have a situation is if Leinster lose next weekend, then it's a lot simpler. The Blues can pack their bags and go off to the beach. Uh, if Leinster win is kept alive, could be the 18th. I think La Rochelle might secure their sixth spot 
and the, the week of the, the 18th. Yeah, they so look Mike, quite good in the table. They are quite good in the yeah. table. I think it's going to come down to the final weekend where Sale, um, they are at the moment one point behind Bath, um, and they have one more game than them, so if both of them finish in the same. Final weekend of the season, Sale at home to Gloucester, and people think that was a very hard game, but actually... Um, Gloucester are safe yeah. in the playoffs and have the semi-final the week afterwards so yeah. possibly might rest a few people. Sailor difficult to beat at uh, the um, AJ Bell Stadium anyway. I'm looking at it, Bath have got to go to Leicester. Now you don't know what Leicester's mindset will be. They've just by the skin of their teeth avoided relegation. Uh, it's, uh, the bottom line is there are so many permutations. The only thing, the only good thing about this is it's given me lots to write about in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's kept him quiet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my head is my head is uh, no, my head is reeling from it all. You know, but it is the other actual thing is won't be no big deal anyway for Cardiff Blues if they end up in the Challenge Cup because when you look at the historic big clubs that are going to be in the Challenge Cup next season, it looks a rather appealing competition. Well, if you look at it, Wasps yeah. now look at I'm certain they're going to be in it. Leicester, Leicester are going to be Stade in France. it. Either Could Bath, be Racing '92. Either Bath, Sailor Harlequins will be in it. Bordeaux, um, Bigler. Well, Racing lost of the weekend at home to, to Stade Francais well, in, in the Paris. In it, yeah. You know, so there's going to be some big teams in it. I mean, the difficulty, as you know yourself, it doesn't have much scope or, or TV coverage or thing non-existence in the yeah, Challenge Cup last year. Attendances can be poor. If you go all the way, like the Blues did, and have a fantastic yeah, night in Bilbao, good. great. But look at the Ospreys this year. They, they very much from the start viewed it as not a priority. Yeah. Uh, it's it a difficult a one. It was a shame. But listen, the, the, the wider question here, right, isn't it? The wider question here is that we're trying to get through the, through the cap flap of the back door basically yeah. get two teams into, yeah. into the Europe's top table. And it's, a, it's a sorry state of affairs, let's be honest. Anyway. Andy and I constantly argue and discuss about the merits of finances and budgets, and I think they are always uh, relevant. They're finish. always relevant, but there are teams who are certainly not that fantastically budgeted compared to the Welsh teams, or on par with them who are doing better than us at the moment. And it is sad that we are struggling to get a second team. Then, ben. He's coming out of my way of thinking. No, yeah. I've, I've, I've always said, Andy, that I've always said it's that. Took a lot of years. I've always said that finance, money, is not the only factor in professional sport, but it is the most important one. Um, but what I would say, looking at this season, is that the Welsh regions, um, I don't expect them to be finishing above Leinster, not in the playing budgets we've got. The fact no. the Scarlets got, did as well as they did the last couple of years is a huge testament to them. They, but they, we, sh- we should be we should be able to be matching and probably yeah. in the heads of the likes of Treviso and Cornwall. That's there's, what I'm saying. There's a big, there is one big difference as well with Leinster. Is even when they put out a third string team, they, they win matches they should never win. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they've got some strength and depth, though, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. but they, sometimes they throw plays in nobody's ever heard of. Mm. We haven't heard of them, and they still win those matches against. But what you know, happens you know, is. Uh, you know, they put 40 odd points, 49 points on the Dragons of Ronnie Perry. You looked on paper. But what but happens, the teams though, and the Dragons had a better team. What happens, though, is yeah. those players you never heard of from two years ago are now James Ryan and Jordan Lama. That's what happens, isn't yeah. it? Because, let's be honest, their academy system with the, the, the fee-paying schools in Dublin is fantastic. They've got a continuing supply of talent coming through. And they what they what, what they've got now. People will say when whenever I say oh yeah great success by Leinster, but let's not forget you know there's a very good budget they're being afforded by the RFU. And they say oh so we we're not buying success. They're all homegrown talent. Of course the point is that we've got homegrown talent in Wales. When you look at Wales as an 20 record against Ireland, it's pretty similar. We produce good players 
players, they produce good players. The difference is they've got the finance to hold on to all of them. Yeah, what, what, look again, I, I, I updated recently my list of the English, uh, Welsh players based in England. It's over 80 still. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the problem. We struggle to hold on to all our own. Leinster as well, which our old mate Mike Reddick points out, who lives over there, used to coach uh, Leinster. Yeah. Uh, he points out as well, it, it, nowadays, that kids from other Irish provinces attracted to going to Dublin to Leinster Academy whereas before they'd be if they're from Munster they go to the Munster Academy they're not all going there now a lot of them want to go to uh, to Leinster you know they've got the Lua the Irish capital as well so they are hoovering up a lot of Ireland's best players youngsters the big problem we have we've touched on it before is that a lot of our youngsters have been hoovered up by English colleges yeah, and academies yeah, and of course the other thing is there is Dublin's a long way from uh, Cork or Limerick mm. you know they are proper promises isn't it whereas sure we've got the M4 corridor and we've got four teams on our corridor you know was it from the uh, edge of Dragon's territory to the edge of Scarlet's territory 50 mile mm. max I would have thought you know about that so you know we got a lot of teams in a smaller, small area fighting over the same players you still with it? Yeah, I thought, I thought you were going to suggest going to North Wales then. Well, we've done that before, haven't we? Done, let's give our, you know, we give our break, you know, North and North Wales, but it's not the platform at the moment. What's next on your list, Benjamin? What's plastic pitches. Oh, I've got plastic pitches. And yeah, you've done a lot of stuff on our in the past, Ben. What's it, wrong with them? I did it a while ago, yeah. Uh, in England, yeah. there's a study, it's yeah. come out, uh, the study has a kind of day, uh, official study by the um, Rugby Players Association, they've got this project group of injury prevention. They found there's more injuries. On, uh, on so-called plastic pitches, which Saracens have got, Worcester have got, and Newcastle Falcons, Cardiff Blues have got here, Glasgow, Glasgow, Glasgow. got, the Dragons train on one at Astrid Minute, Wales train on one sometimes, the Blues mm. train on them, Pony Preed, you know, they had to relay their pitch, Merthyr have got one, uh, well, it's found out, obviously it's more burns type injuries, but more lower limb injuries, toes, feet, and hamstrings. And, um, and um, so they found this information out and they haven't actually taken into consideration they've only dealt with injuries which kept players out they are i'm taking into consideration actually friction burns they haven't included those and we've seen some horrific pictures from your yeah. adam warren from the steph evans yeah. from johnny mcnichol who called for him a year ago called for him to be made illegal adam uh, took his eyebrows off. you know pony preed you reported on us simon uh, seven merthyr players um uh suffered nasty burns Burngate. Burngate. And uh, so anyway, it's found out as well. So players, there's more injuries, more prevalence of injuries. And this study was over five years. Plus that players uh, who get injured on grass pitches are on average out for 30 days. On plastic, they're out for 39 days. So they call the Rugby Players Association, your old pal, Richard Bryan, ex-Dragons, ex-Celtic Warriors, ex-Bridgend, ex-Lawyer, who's their rugby director for the Rugby Players Association. They've called now for a moratorium on the lane of plastic pitches till more research is done. It's an interesting one because I take everything Andy says on board and I've seen, I've written stories about pitches and I have seen injuries on the various surfaces. But I also remember what it was like at the Alms Park before they had the artificial surface Sand. where it was like, I think it was the Dragons game one boxing day four years ago. Yeah, it was a turning point. Yeah, 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 2014. And you just couldn't rely. You could not rely on fixtures taking place and yeah. that as an economic factor. And plus, I, I, plastic, and I think the, you know the style of rugby that they've developed over the last couple of years when they play well, it, it, you know, is because partly because of that pitch. I think that it doesn't make for better running rugby entertainment. But clearly, if an official survey is finding that it's causing more injuries, 
then they have to find a way through it. Now, it's in, I think it's important to point out the difference between artificial pitches and what we call the DESO pitches. Yeah. Now, the yeah, DESO pitches, the type they have at the, uh, at the Liberty National Stadium, Stadium, Liberty Stadium, and, to me, they are the and the Dragons, pitches. and the Dragons, I think, as well. There's nothing wrong with those pitches for football. And they and don't cut play, up so much. Yeah, either. and playing football on them. You can see they're good pitches because the surface is still pretty smooth on them for passing so football. Why, do, why are people going for artificial pitches rather than DESO, then? Cheaper, I would suggest. Cheaper. Is it possibly as and well that if you've, got you an out, you? if you've got an artificial service, you can play it almost every day of the year? Arms Park is used by, yeah, yeah, by yeah. So it's, which is a great facility. The Mer that, remember when Stan Thomas was talking about Merthyr? Community. He, he wanted to sort of um, do it for the, for the community and get Merthyr, people of Merthyr fit again, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, there's pluses and minuses, aren't they? But yeah. what they've basically got to do here, from what you're saying, You've got to find a way of making them safe. This is, so this has come from all the players in the Rugby Players Association who play in England. So that's your likes of Dan Bigger, I guess. Ian Williams, Williams play there. Fafta Kirk, who you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Farrell, Faltow, etc. Jack Noel, the interesting side on the story is Jack Noel is not picked by Exeter when they play on plastic because of injury. Have Worcester concerns. got ones? Worcester Cohen, yeah. So Josh Adams has gone from one to another then? Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, it's the players who are concerned. Mm. You're Dylan Artis and all the heat playing on them. Players edge Slater yeah, saying that about the joints, use more pressure on the joints, you eat more, a lot more. And there's also a bit of a, an interesting thing they brought up is they say plastic pitches, they all tend to be a bit different. So it's different going from like a grass pitch to Newcastle pitch and then going to uh, um, Worcester's pitch. That's different again. So maybe it's a case you need more consistency from the plastic pitch. Wayne Pivik said as much, didn't he, when yeah. when he, he kicked up that fuss after that Glasgow semi-final in the Pro 14, which is the Scarlet's one of, uh, a year ago, when he said his experience is what's underneath the plastic. Let's make it. Look at that match. John Barkley, ruptured Achilles tendon. Rob Evans, over on an ankle. Boyce, horrific burns. Cardiff Blues against Poe, European Challenge Cup semi-final. Stefan Armitage, ruptured Achilles tendon. Colin Slade, hamstring pull. Mm. You know, is it a common denominator or not? You know, this is a concern. That's why he needs more investigation. Interesting. Yeah. Very but, interesting. as you said, Simon, you do see some great matches on plastic. You do. You do. Fast. So. Well, we just have to find a way of making them safer, don't we? Yes. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Right, on to the, uh, the next topic. Um, dragons. Dragons. The coaching rumours still sort of swirling around yeah but it feels like we're getting closer well i mean yeah. it, 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 it was um for a little while we were talking about rob howley in the mix and yes and then we were talking about graham rumtree another alliance assistant coach but rumors started to come through towards the end beginning of last week but dean ryan's name and someone andy knows well and you've dealt with him in the past i mean he's an interesting character um he's obviously does a bit of punditry on the television as well he's had spells of bristol uh, Worcester and Gloucester coaching played I think six times for England in the 1990s as well known as one of the most robust no-nonsense forwards around in the game um, ex-military man I think he was in the Royal Engineers corporal in there sorry, sorry I forgot his uh, rank wrong you'll be on to me if I'm wrong with that um, so I think you can read look at that CV and you think that's somebody who's not going to suffer fools gladly and uh, someone Correct. who, who uh, doesn't mess about now there's no confirmation yet David Buttress the chief executive of the Dragons put a statement out last week uh, just basically saying that there'd been no appointment as such, explaining the thorough process they were going through. Um, spoke to our Dragons contacts and they were saying they were hoping maybe to have some announcement this week, early this week. Well, it's already early this week. We haven't heard anything yet. 
Um, Ryan remains the name that, that I keep hearing. Um, hugely experienced. Current, the last three years he's been involved in the RFU coaching development side. Um, Why is he going to leave our job now part of the way through? I was just going to ask you that. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, if you speak to some of our colleagues in England, some journalists over there, they reckon all is not well. In what on sense? Well, because, you know, we're at England, I think it was the last 620 World Cup finals and mm. play a pathway programme, and apparently it's been torn up a bit. You've uh, you've seen teams coached by him and probably you've probably heard well, him speak. Do you know my best memory? Well, go on then. Is uh, one of you boys wrote about it uh, in the last couple of weeks, is when Cardiff Blues demolished Gloucester in the Anglo Welsh oh, final yeah. at Twickenham, just totally took him apart. Dean Ryan was a Gloucester coach, cost him his job. Uh, you looked on paper, you looked on paper. <laughs> Your favourite memory yeah. of losing his job. Yeah, not because he lost his job, he looked on All paper, right. it was a really good Gloucester team, but he'd already lost the change room. That's my concern with Dean Ryan. You know, he left at Bristol. In the end, he did some decent stuff starting off at Bristol, but you, you know, but then it wore off and he left there. Worcester, I think, got promotion and he was gone within two months. He left of his own accord. So, um, you know, you look at his record, yeah, he's a great pundit, you know, in the truck for Sky, analysing tactics. Yeah. So is Bernard Jackman. But I wouldn't say he did a good job at the Dragons, but he's good to listen to. So, uh, you know, I think that, yeah, the, the Dragons would be at a, um, a risky appointment, uh, as Jackman was. And uh, wide on the uh, round tree, I think it's still in the frame. And uh, I wouldn't totally discount Howley either. But um, why do they need to appoint a non-Welshman? Surely this is a job for an aspiring well, Welsh coach. Well, my great concern about this is like we've got a, we've got a sequence of events now, haven't we? We've got Sean Edwards not staying at Wales, yeah. going to France. We've got Robin McBride. Yeah. Who, over, over a decade as part of a Wales team, winning numerous Grand Slams while he's been involved in there, going to Leinster. Rob Howley, we now hear, possibly in line to join Munster. I mean, these are play people with huge experience, former Welsh internationals who worked in Wales at the highest level, World Cups, and they're all being lost to Welsh rugby. Now, to me, Howley or McBride, maybe a combination of the both of them, would have been ideal for, for the Dragons. You know, a lot of experience there. It, it, it surprises me, really, that you've got two long-time assistants there who you thought, well, logically, perhaps their next step would be to be a number one somewhere. Yeah. And yet they both, well, one we know is going to be a scrum coach, an assistant. Howley would be a back coach if he goes to, to Munster. It just strikes me that these are the kind of people we really should be nailing down for uh, regional don't, jobs. Don't forget, both of them have done the job of Wales as caretaker head coach. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, Howley won a six, uh, six Nations. And the well last, last outing was out, yeah. you know, beating Tonga and Samoa. So, I know, Gatland, one about Gatland, he cannot, you know, he's bristling about this. Why, why they, 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 he losing Wales right, losing things. IP, two intellectual things, property. Two things, right? Is it a case that they've been offered jobs in Wales, the union has spoken to them, but they've decided to go elsewhere? And if so, why have they done that? Or is it just a case they've not been offered anything in Wales? I don't know. I this don't is know. the question, doesn't it? it? I don't know. But there's other the Welsh, surely there's other Welsh coaches who deserve a go. Who like the Dragons. Who would you think maybe go there? Well, you know, I've clamoured all along, so it's not by me. Mike Reddick. Uh, Mike Reddick should be there as overseer, working with uh, Kerry Jones and other young Welsh coaches because his management is excellent. He got away again, the best out of players. And plus, he already, you know, had, had, had a couple of sign ins, value for money sign ins, mm. lined up or up his sleeve. But my understanding is, do you know what? The Dragons at WIU haven't even bothered to speak to him. So, which is ridiculous because he would be perfect for bringing along 
there was coaches underneath. And sure, you know, your mate, Steve Law, he's done a brilliant job oh, at Cardiff well. RFC. Been working at that level for years. Do you not think he's that... Superman manager. Yeah. Why not take a punt you on know, someone I was like ju- him? I was just gonna, After all, it's only the Dragons. I was just going to... I was just going to mention Steve Law because I think he's done a tremendous yeah. job at Cardiff. They were meandering for a number of years. He's got a core of players. He's done, what he's done really well is he's got like people who play week in, week out for them, like uh, like Joey Tomlinson, people like this. And James Dowd has played week in from, you know, regularly for them. Cardiff people means a bit to them to play for them. And then he's got these young Blues Academy players like Ben Thomas coming through, James Botham. Really lovely mix of things there, which to be honest, to me, is exactly what you should be having someone doing at the Dragons. Yeah. You know, people who yeah. experienced people with youngsters coming through, the likes of Tane Basham. Um, they've got some exciting young backs there as well. You know, uh, I find it very frustrating. What's the key to coaching these days? <coughs> like you got us, not, man coach, not coaching, it's man management. Mike Ruddock, excellent man manager. Warren Gatland, excellent man manager. Pivot, good man manager. Stephen Johnson are doing, doing the coaching. Yeah. So it's about man management. Now, if you don't manage right, players turn against you, don't they? And you look at Dean Ryan's record, like Jackman's, there's question marks over both of them's man management. Is it Sergeant Major coaching, is that what you're saying? Well, he was only a corporate mine, but yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, especially with young lads, if you go in, you know, people, then it seek out of man management, it's different people, they respond to different things. You've got to control some people, haven't you? You've got, to, you've got to ask others. You've got to, you know, you've got to tell them sternly. Do you think because the Welsh Rugby Union has decided, in, in theory, that the Premiership is no longer the, the key development tier and we're moving towards regional A teams and it's seen much as the top of the community game, separate, less involvement of professional youngsters and that... Is it almost a case of well, if, it's, if they're saying that in terms of it, it's the players, perhaps they're thinking that in terms of the coaches as well? That well, you know, at coaching at that mm, level yeah, isn't a sufficient no, step, up, which is a problem because in theory, some people would like to see the Premiership as, the, as a stepping stone to professional rugby, and presumably they, you could argue that it should be a stepping stepping stone yeah. towards for coaches yeah, as well. Yeah, you know, in Wales, was it? Is level five the top one, or is there some super level? They got I only got level one, so I couldn't yeah, tell you. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, you gotta you gotta wonder. Over the years, they've been running these coaching courses. It would have cost them millions of pounds to run them and all. And uh, are they fit for purpose? And uh, if they're not going to appoint Welsh people and all that, why not scrap these elite coaching courses? I think just coach your level, have yeah. your level ones and twos. For, I think you, you make know, a good point. Rugby. It was interesting, isn't it? When the Blues brought in John Melville, there was a determination, probably jointly by the Union and the Blues, to give him assistance to a Welsh. Yeah. Yeah. So you had um, uh, Tom Smith going there as the forwards coach, Jason Strange, another Richard, one we've mentioned before yeah. for Richard Dragon's Hodges. situation, yeah. Richard Hodges is there as well. well. Uh, Gethin Jenkins is now coaching Cardiff uh, Defence, Cardiff Club site Defence. You've got Reese Thomas there. Uh, Richie Reese, I think, as well. These are he's all good, Richie Reese. He's great, rugby great. But yeah. when is the opportunity Mike, going to be for one of those? Yeah, I know Mike Raddock told me, sees Jason Strange as an outstanding young coach and he wanted him. If he, if the Dragons had gone for Mike Raddock and, you know, he was interested, why not? He'd taken a job, I don't know. But he would have been keen again if we get Strange on go on, on board with him. A lot of people say, well, Raddock lives in Dublin and all. Well, Jackman was commuting most of the time. Raddock could have a place over yeah. here and he could commute. Back and forth. It's as simple as a flight to Bristol, it, then it, a forty-minute drive. It's interesting when you look. This weekend, we've heard rumours about the support staff um, at the Scarlets coming. I think Glenn Delaney, um, Kiwi coach, yeah. London Irish, has been mentioned. I think uh, one of the Gloucester, Gloucester. Uh, within the uh, Gloucester Academy coach, who was the guy we've often quoted about the youngsters in the Hartbury Gloucester Academy from Wales. Uh, and then you obviously Easy. got the situation with the Ospreys. Are they going to bring anybody else into their setup? Well, I wonder if Howley yeah, could go into their setup. 
Possibly. They again, he would have to go in as head coach because they got a good backs coach with Matt Sherrett. But you know, we our experience of working with him. Yeah, I think. It, it, again, I, think what, I remember when field. Martin Phillips. One, one of the conversations we've had, and one of the things he did say is like we, we feel like the player pathway is in pretty good shape. You know, everything's there in terms of what we look trying to do, bringing players through, and the coaching is the next challenge. You know, and it's a difficult one because at some point you're going to have to take a punt. Not even a punt, but you've got to put your faith in a Welshman to do one of the yeah. regional well, at jobs. At the moment, it's a production line of uh, of coaches who then, uh, but the they just drop off the end of the conveyor belt and they disappear. You know, with some some Welsh guys currently and have in the past doing good jobs outside Wales. Paul Turner, you know, Diane, yeah. yeah. and at international level, Phil Davis done a great job in fairness to him, though he was a failure in Wales with the uh, latterly at the Scalas and with the Blues, but he's done a good job in Namibia. Look at Lee Jones with uh, Japan last World Cup with Eddie Jones and you know Eddie Jones wanted Lee Jones to be working in his England management team but Lee wouldn't do it it does the knock on effect it and of course that when you come to then choose the Wales coach if you haven't got any Wales regional coaches yeah, it's a bit tricky isn't it yeah for sure absolutely it's a sad situation really well it is yeah. it is um, what have we got left in your past sticking then? sticking with the, the Dragons uh, the one area that they obviously need to strengthen, and this is we, we've known this for a long time, is fly half. A uh, few more rumours in, in the rumour mill this week. Uh, Sam Davis has been the long-time target, but Aaron Cruden has emerged as a, some, a somewhat surprising uh, alternative. He was linked with Glasgow, Glasgow. wasn't he, because of the link-up with Dave Rennie. Yeah, Rennie um, was his coach at Chiefs. I mean, is a very, very fine player. I mean, he's had his injury problem, but injuries. I can't imagine he would come uh, within a gla- within the Dragons' budget free range, to be honest. Unless his value is, uh, is diminished, and they can afford it, I mean, but I'm, I, I'm surprised at that. My understanding is the Dragons' budget for next year is around £4.6 million, Sh- you know, so that's, that's not going to be able to be... A cr- it, I mean, is it a case that he put... Is his agent doing a good job linking him with the perhaps of the Dragons and elsewhere to try and garner interest from other clubs? Who knows? But of course, the Dragons. I think it's fair to say that Sam Davis is a target. Everyone knows that. Um, you know, if you were Sam Davis, what would you do? If I was Sam, it's a difficult one because it. Anscombe will be away with Wales a lot of the time. You'll get a lot of rugby, um, but then I would look upon it and say, well, hang on a second. This season, I haven't. There's no Anscombe being here, and I haven't been for the first choice. Mm. Throughout the season, Luke Price has played quite a lot, so that to me would suggest that they haven't got complete faith in Sam as a, as a turn. The fact they haven't played him, there, you know, and this is a guy who two or three years ago we were all saying that this is the next Wales outside half, you know, and it's it's been it's been a difficult couple of years for him, and you just wonder whether a new a new chance somewhere else might be the best thing for him. He's in that group of players who could if he wanted to go, go outside of Wales without really impacting everyone because he seems to be quite a way down the pecking order unless he turns around and says well hang on a second there's a new Wales coach coming in he might have a different approach I can try and impress him next year yeah. Uh, yeah, but if he wants to play regular rugby he's then he's best chance for the Dragons but is he going to be playing much front foot rugby with the Dragons well look at them. Well, he should be with it back look how many of them in the Wales squad I know but you don't, they don't really they need to sort their scrum out but yeah, hang on, he just beat the Scarlets. But they've got a lot of internationals in their pack. Um, you know, uh, they've got uh, Liam Brown, Elliot D, Corey Hill, Aaron Wainwright. Moriarty. Moriarty. There's five of the pack straight away. So they should be guessing uh, that pack should improve. Sam, if he has wants to play international rugby, wants to play regularly, he's got to leave the Ospreys. Yep. Simple as. Should go to the Dragons where he would get uh, uh, regular rugby and a chance to... Uh, to prove he, that he's good enough to get back in the uh, Wales set up. Less, you know, time's moving on for Sam now. What, what's he, 25, 26? 
Yeah, he's got uh, you know, it's no one ever, isn't it? You stay at the Ospreys' secretary because I suspect that one of the reasons Anscombe, Gaz Anscombe, went to the Ospreys rather than stay with the Blues is the Blues could not assure him of being first choice number 10 because statistically, when him and Jared Evans have both been available, Jared has started more 10 than Anscombe and Gaz's versatility means he can play fullback. I imagine the Ospreys have assured him that he will be playing at number 10. I'm not entirely sure the Blues could have afforded to keep him anyway. Not to be honest. Yeah, but what about, of course, and then, so outside half then, well, Sam Davis don't go there, and it's genuine about Cruden. How are they going to fund Cruden? Is it by offloading Moriarty? Perhaps the Ospreys? What do you think, Simon? Well, Moriarty has been linked to the Ospreys before. I think he's got another year on his on deal, his, on his deal yeah. with the Dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Moriarty had an excellent season for Wales. You know, his work rate for Wales in the uh, Six Nations is outstanding. Um, but he hasn't played a huge amount of games for the Dragons. Yeah, his best game from against Scarlets. He played very well yeah, for them against the Scarlets. That's the best we've seen him play, really, I think, in, in a dragon shirt. Um, but obviously, you know, it, it, it's no secret. It's, it's a reasonably sizable wage he's on in, compared to other Welsh players. Yeah. And when you are working on a £4.6 million budget, to have one person who's sort of maybe around about 9 or 10% of that fee, you know, or even like a bit less than that, that's a quite a big chunk, isn't it? So, I don't know. If you were starting from scratch now and saying, like, what do we need of the Dragons? They've actually got a reasonable amount of back row strength coming through there. Yep. They've got Harrison Kelly, they've got Tane Basham, they've got Aaron Wainwright, uh, Lewis Ollie Evans Griffiths. is there, Ollie Griffiths is there. They have got you know depth there where they haven't really got quality depth. Now, especially with Jason Tubby's going, he's an experienced head leaving yep. after his third spell at the Dragons. They need an experienced 10. So if they have to juggle the finances, then maybe uh, allowing uh, Moriarty to go to another region, have him off the budget, but uh, you know he'd do a good job for the Ospreys. The Blues are obviously looking for a number eight as well, and it would make sense then for the Dragons to use it for the available finance to strengthen in other areas. I mean, I think they probably fly off would be, would be one certainly. Well, if you had um, a driven fly off, who can drive a team, yeah, and a leader, maybe like bigger the Dragons straight away. Yeah, their bookmakers. I think maybe the, the scrum would need. Liam Brown's got to prove why he's in a Wales squad. I mean, okay, he's had a lot of injuries, but he's got to come on a tight head prop. The part yeah. secret of their success against the Scouts was they actually started with Lloyd Fair Brother. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think with the Ospreys, uh, the, the, other, the other thing you've got at the moment, going back to the whole playoff scenario, is you've got it's still an up in the air about which Welsh teams, one or two of them, will be in the Champions Cup. Yeah. And although you get the same money whether you're in the Challenge or the Challenge Cup in terms of competition and TV revenue, it obviously has an impact in terms of your profile, which can bring in more sponsors. Can potentially look at the Scarlets when they were getting ten thousand sellouts, more, yeah. you know, more, more, thirteen, fourteen thousand sellouts for two of their European exactly. games. If you're in the yeah, Champions yeah. Cup and you're going well, it can have an impact, and it can lure players to you more as well, and it can bring sponsors on board. So maybe the, the teams are looking and wait and see if they're in that, and then possibly, you know, let's take a punt on another mm. player. Here's a question for you, Pip. Yes. Oh. Moriarty's got a year left on his deal. Yes. If he was moved to another Welsh region. Would they have to honour that deal, or would he go under the bandings and have to take a pay cut? Well, what is his banding with it under the WRU? Well, it's not as much as that. As of, uh, he's getting on, he's on at the moment. I would the imagine not the I top w- of the top I w- bands, not the. I would imagine. I would imagine it would be a continuation of the existing deal, and then his banding would be looked at when he comes out no, of contract. The WRU yeah. got power to stop that uh, said region recruiting him. I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting one. It is. I see three initials on your pad as well. Yep. A W J, Alan Wynn Jones. Alan. That'll be the thing. That'll be the last talking point on the podcast. 
Well, he's one of the... And then there were three or four, wasn't it? If you look at the players who haven't... Res- the leading players in Wales who haven't resolved their contractual situations. Moriarty's slightly different because he's got a year. It would be a yeah, different move. For players who were out of contract, we saw Denans come out now. Uh, Nicky Smith remains up in the air. Um, he's been linked with English clubs, been linked with the Blues. Uh, Osprey's publicly said they're keen on keeping him. And of course, the other one, the big one, Alan Wynne Jones, Totem, Talisman, inspiration, whatever word you want to use about him. He's been magnificent for the Ospreys over a number of years. Um, he's out of contract, so what's going to happen there? It's a situation that's complicated by the fact that the dual contract system has now been phased out in Welsh rugby. Under that system in the past, the union would pay 60% of a player's wage, the region 40%. As a kind of recognition of the fact that they were spending a lot of time away with Wales, uh, and the, so that was recompensed by the union taking a, a large chunk of their salary. Now that's gone. Now the union would point to the fact that the pot of money that was set aside for the dual contracts for them to spend has now gone into the actual pot that's given to the, the regions. And the regions at the moment, I, I believe, uh, the figures I understand is £19.7 million direct from the union. So the money's going direct to them, but obviously when you had a starting point of a pot of money, in a way, you're thinking to yourself, well, is it can I, going back to Moriarty's situation, is it the best use of our money to spend yeah. quite a lot of money on keeping a player who isn't actually going to play for us that much? Because if you look at it next season of the World Cup, Alan Wynne Johnson, obviously, he's 33 now, coming to that. How many games is he going to play? Maybe 10, 12 games a season? It, it's very difficult. When you're asking the region to, to fund it completely themselves, is it the best use of money? Is it the best business? I think the Blues, to be honest, when they were looking at the Anscombe situation, they were probably asking themselves, if it's £300,000 or £350,000, he plays 10 games, that's £30,000, £35,000 a game. Is that the best use of your resource? It's a Not difficult... Exactly. That's why what I'm saying to you is that the regions now, under the current system, are almost disincentivized I to sign keep Wales regulars. I was waiting for the that word. What a fantastic word. So it's yeah. difficult. It's yeah. really difficult. Yeah. You want Alan Wynne Jones. Right you he want Alan Wynne Jones in Wales. You want him to stay the Ospreys, but you know. Yeah, uh, of course. I would argue then he shouldn't have scrapped NDCs because yeah. Yeah. because that kept players that you know insured because WIU paid sixty percent that insured those Welsh players were staying in Wales and staying with the region. But what, what you know what you said is exactly right now. The region's now got a bigger pot of money, which some of it's come from NDC money, you know. So they got to be thinking, self-interest, what's better for them? They want to be in a Champions Cup. They want to win a Pro 14. So they got to be, they perhaps looking at players who are going to play a lot more games for them. And I, you, I so maybe scrapping the NDCs has backfired on WIU. I see our colleague Mark Orders did a piece about what was going to happen with that and win, and the, you know, the questions being raised in there. Would it be possible for the union to contribute to us? It's difficult, isn't it? Once they've moved away from that, how can they really set a precedent and just saying, all right, we'll, we'll give you X amount towards Alan Wynn's situation, but whereas Anscombe know or other Welsh players know, it's very difficult. It's got to be one rule across the board, really, isn't I, it? I think you're staying with us. Uh, and uh, you know uh, my understanding was two months ago probably I did some story 99.9% <laughs> certainly you've staying in Wales just a couple of little things needed yeah. to sort in uh, I just hope that's proved right right because if you know Welsh rugby cannot afford to lose Adam uh, Alan Wynne Jones no. as you said he's a totem pole of, uh, of Welsh rugby totem pole uh, <laughs> up in the line out <laughs> well yeah, yeah. Well, there we go I think that's that's everything ticked off my notepad. Very lively. We got through that one just about. Lovely stuff. So there we go. That's all for the Welsh Rugby Podcast uh, this week. 
Uh, we'll surely be back next week before the latest Welsh rugby news throughout the week. Andy's got his hand up. Don't worry, we'll ignore that. He just has to go to the toilet, I think. Oh, you don't have to put your hand up. You can just go. It's not, <laughs> it's not like high school. Uh, yeah, for the latest Welsh rugby news throughout the week, you can catch it all on Wales Online.